Welcome to the Stock of the Town podcast. This is John and Karen Pendleton with Pendleton's Country Market. We live in the Kansas River Valley just outside of Lawrence, Kansas. We've been farming for over 40 years and want to share with you about our farm and our community. In a previous podcast, we talked about our day-to-day activities. I think uh, another way to look at what are we doing is trying to figure out what types of activities we're involved in, what type of responsibilities do we have, what are the many hats that we might wear when it comes to being involved with our farm and our community. So as farmers, we are self-employed farmers. Uh, Just anyone who's been self-employed knows that they wear many, many hats. And so I thought we'd just go through some of the list of things that um, we we have a lot of titles, I guess. You know, if you work for a company, you have a job title. Our title includes a lot of other job titles. And uh, first of all, just with crop management, we're trying to decide uh, what seeds we're going to plant, how many we're going to plant, what varieties we're going to plant. Not only what are we going to plant in the field, what's the best pepper, what's the best sweet pepper, what's the best hot peppers, what's the best specialty peppers, best tomatoes. We're doing that for ourselves in the field, but since we also raise bedding plants, we're trying to decide what types of plants people are going to want in their own garden. And for that, we actually raise over 100 varieties of tomatoes because everyone has their own special tomato. And as soon as I stop carrying one, that's the one that everybody wanted that year. It helps me a lot to have planted something out in the field. And when you planted it, took care of it, grew the plant, harvested whatever it was, whether it was a vegetable or a flower, If we grew it ourselves in the springtime when we're selling the bedding plants, whether they're vegetables or flowers, I can talk a lot more knowledgeably about those. If it's a plant that I've never really grown myself, I'm pretty darned ignorant (laughs) and I'm not the best salesperson. So I can go find somebody else to do the the marketing on what the plant is. We'll we'll help you out on that. During during, uh, greenhouse season. So besides the head planter, we're also the head weeders. We say we have a crew that does a lot of the weeding for us, and they really do. But especially the younger kids, we need to teach them to appreciate having the satisfaction of a clean row. And that's not always easy to teach. Chopping a weed off a little bit above ground level kind of looks like you did the job. But when you come back a week later and the plant wasn't dead and it grew up instead of one stalk, it has five now replacing it. If you would have just been one inch deeper, that plant isn't there. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons we need to go out with them and hoe and weed with them for quite a few times. Um, John's the head irrigation master and uh, all around water management person, I guess try and get the drip irrigation or whatever type of irrigation we're using to best fit. Right now, we actually planted some stuff, and and I've got a big sprinkler going on. Let's see, we planted ageratum flowers, and we got some loofah sponge gourds planted that should have been planted a month ago. They were in the greenhouse, as leggy as can be. 
but uh, we're we're giving them a chance. We're hoping that it's not too late to get the loofah sponges planted, and, and then we even had some uh, delphinium. You didn't know this. I think they had one more row left, and we did delphinium from seed. They are also pot bound. Should have been planted a month ago, <laughs> and and so we're at least getting them out and seeing if we can maybe grow a plant that would then provide a tuber that we can harvest and then grow more plants right. next year. But that all has to be irrigated when it's planted this late in the season. And then also with the irrigation, just the the equipment. How many hoses have you repaired this year? <laughs> I did three just last night. <laughs> okay. And uh, yeah, it's uh, between a, a hoe or a lawnmower or whatever else. Or just a hose being bent and it gets an aneurysm in it. It gets old. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then uh, we're also entomologists because we're always scouting out for pests. And then uh, once we know what pests are out there, we have to order beneficial insects to take care of those. That's how we take care of most of the pests on the farm, especially the ones in the greenhouses. We were at a meeting that Dr. Raymond Cloyd from Kansas State University did an excellent job of explaining the importance of knowing the life cycle of the pest that you're dealing with, because sometimes it's the adult form, sometimes it's the the nymph that is transmitting diseases and eating on the plants and, and knowing how the bug overwinters in a life cycle and how they, uh, they grow is critical in knowing how to best combat the bugs that are fighting us out in the field. That's right. And then animal husbandry. We used to have a feedlot, and we would feed out about 500 head of cattle a year. We don't have that, but we do have 50 chickens that we have to take care of, so they have to be fed every day and watered, and we have to collect the eggs and then clean the eggs and box the eggs and get them ready for sale. Make sure that other critters don't get inside the um, chicken coop. That's and, right. and uh, I have chased off... Oh, possums. Uh, I've caught a possum or two by the tail. I always had big gloves because their teeth concern me. And uh, But I've caught a couple of them at night. I actually did catch a five-foot black snake once that uh, was in there, and, and luckily it had not eaten any eggs yet. And, and we've had other critters that have been a challenge with keeping the chickens alive, too. And uh, that's maintenance on fencing and trying to make sure that you do all that you can to keep the birds healthy and alive is is uh, important and then you have to know how to harvest and take care of post-harvest handling and so there's a lot of information to be known on timing when should something be harvested i never forget the poor young man he was out harvesting okra and if you've ever harvested okra, you know that the flowers kind of have a point to them before they bloom. And he went out and harvested all the flowers off the okra, thinking that was actually okra. And I don't think he'll ever live that down. But you need to know what to harvest, when to harvest it. They were picking eggplant today. The eggplant needs to be shiny. If it's too dull, then it's too far gone. So there's with every plant and with every flower, there's a perfect time for harvest and then with every one of those there's also proper storage and processing afterwards in order to keep them in good shape and knowing all that takes time to learn cleaning buckets cleaning the buckets that we pick into whether it's a flower or if we're picking 
eggplant or okra, we want the containers clean when the harvest goes into them and so that there's no pathogens being transmitted to the harvested produce. And So even though we're out here on the farm, we still have the three whole sink just like a restaurant would. We put the buckets into a detergent and clean them with the detergent and then we rinse them with clear water and then put them in a disinfectant that will take care of anything that's left. The three hole sink is actually a series of water tanks for livestock. And so after it's gone through all three containers, let it dry and we want to then put them away instead of leaving it there overnight because a storm could come through and then blow them all down and then you have to sometimes wash them again. Another hat you wear is quality control. And so you're going through produce, going through flowers, getting rid of those that are too far gone, either donating them to the food pantry or having employees take them home or or composting them if they're at that point. Not as much fun, custodial work, keeping the... uh, That's my least favorite of all. (laughs) Sweeping the floor in the market. Trying to get rid of all the spider webs. Our market is an open air market, and so there are creatures that come and go as they please, and that's trying on my soul, I believe. (laughs) Marketing and sales, that's probably uh, one of your fortes, keeping customers happy, trying to figure out new markets, what's our best angle, uh, whether it's CSA, whether it's going to farmer's market, whether it's selling something on uh, the farm to our customers that come out to the farm or every once in a while if we have an excess what do we do with it if we need to try and find a restaurant or some other way to utilize the excess produce and then i could also be a financial manager here i guess that administrative work like paying the bills invoicing payroll employee taxes sales taxes licenses for plants and food safety water reports to the state on irrigation budgeting and financial planning general bookkeeping and record keeping i hate all that but that's one of the hats that i wear here on the farm you also wear the it hat more than i do (laughs) luckily for me that's true i try and keep up on the website um i do have couple people who help me on that uh, when I when I get lost in what to do next but I do keep up the website and and since we sell items on our website that has to be updated weekly so that we have inventory right and we have a point of sale that does have some inventory so we have to keep that up and have all the current prices of things throughout the season prices might change according to how much inventory we have. If it's something in short supply, the price might be a little higher. If if we are in the middle of a glut, we'll lower the price for a while. Uh, Of course, we have all of our computers, printers, phones. We have the account with our square that we take money at farmer's market. I mean, simple things as the time clock. And when I've had to troubleshoot the time clock, cooler thermometers, there's all sorts of things to go wrong and we use IT for. And then you're more of the land manager. We'll put that title on you. During the off-season, making sure that there's cover crops, not letting weeds go to seed, trying to reduce wind and water erosion whenever possible, trying to basically be a, a good steward of the land. And along with your land management title, we're also going to call you the head mechanic because there's lots of mechanical skills needed on the farm. One of the 
things that happened uh, about a week ago was uh, not only did our air conditioner in the house go down, but also one of the walk-in coolers. I couldn't do anything about the air conditioner in the house. And luckily, uh, a technician was able to come out and get it fixed. But I did quickly see that on our walk-in cooler, we had a, a motor for the compressor that was not turning when it should have been and i could feel that it had hit the end of its life and so was able to quickly tear it apart run into patch and electric in lawrence and say i need this motor and they were able to order it for me and when i got it a couple of days later they were able to get it shipped to me and got it repaired and got the walk-in cooler going up and again i don't have tremendous electrical skills but i know enough to try and not get hurt (laughs) well i i don't know about that i there's very few things that john can't fix and i tell you i'm very lucky to have him around whenever things go wrong because whether it's putting a new motor on the compressor of the cooler something's gone wrong with the well and you've fixed it numerous times maintenance on all the tractors you know, basic carpentry that I wouldn't be able to do. You seem to be able to do that. Welding, the number of things that you weld back together after they've fallen apart, or and even plumbing. I mean, all those things you have come through your life just either knowing off the top of your head or you've learned it somewhere. But I think if you're going to be a farmer, you're going to have to have a little bit of skills in all of those because we just wouldn't be able to afford having technicians of of specialty things like that come in all the time youtube helps a lot also okay (laughs) (laughs) i'll give you that it's amazing what you can learn on learn on youtube Uh, uh, of course we're always learning on the farm we're trying to stay informed of uh, new agricultural techniques and and technologies during the off season we'll be attending workshops conferences and and training programs and then something that john and i do for ourselves every first wednesday of the month we have a local group that gets together it's called growing lawrence and it's a group of mostly specialty crop growers who get together and talk about a topic the topic could be anything from social media to employees to insurance to Uh, Grants was one of the last ones we talked about, uh, soil management. We have a roundtable conversation. It's networking with like-minded people. It's just one of the few things we really do for ourselves each month. Leadership and management. That's why you're the CEO, honey. (laughs) I'm not so sure about that. (laughs) But we oversee farm employees that are involved with the operation. And you're delegating tasks, and so. My One of my best memories is many, many, many years ago when I was farming with my dad, he would give instructions to uh, somebody that was working on the farm, and typically it was somebody my age, and he would say, okay, I want you to go out and do this, this, and this, and this. After my dad would leave, I would interpret what he meant from what he said. And uh, I I so vividly remember how I'd hear words come out of his mouth. I knew exactly what he meant, but it didn't make sense to the person that he was talking to. So I was able to explain, okay, this is what you're supposed to do. I am now realizing I have become my dad. (laughs) I'll try and explain something knowing this three different ways so that I'll try and 
get the point across as to, okay, what is it that I want you to do? What's the goal? How I want you to do it? And I sometimes miss the mark by a long shot. (laughs) And luckily, somebody else who knows me that works for us or you can tell people, okay, this is what he actually was thinking. (laughs) And then, of course, we have... um community engagement. This probably goes more with the marketing uh, title, but we're always working on social media. Every Tuesday, we send out information about the podcast, announcing what the topic is this week. Every Thursday this, this year, we're doing throwback pictures of something that's happened in the last 40 years because we're celebrating our 40th anniversary. And then throughout the week, if we have something that we're really trying to push today, we were pushing pickles. We had a lot of pickling cucumbers, so we were pushing that. On Fridays, a lot of times we're promoting people to come to the farmer's market. Social media is very important to us, as well as our emails. We have an email newsletter and we have about 6,000 people on our email newsletter list. And you can sign up for that email newsletter on our website, about halfway down on the front page of our website. It says stay up to date and you can sign up and you can get crop updates so you know what we're harvesting. And that's been very important to us. When it comes to going to farmer's market, we find that it's important that one of us is there. We could send the employees and sometimes we have done that because we both needed to be at the farm for pick your own asparagus or some other special event like the Caw Valley Farm Tour or something like that but whenever possible we want to be there at market because our customers kind of expect us to be there and I think it um, it helps out our sales if uh, you or I are, are there. Well we know our customers and our customers know us The one example I can always think of is a a dear young girl who, um, she came up to the booth. You weren't there. You were at home helping people with asparagus season. And she came up and she picked up our recipe book. We have a recipe book that has recipes for things that we grow. And she picked it up. And on the cover of this recipe book is a picture of John sitting on a tractor. And she picked up the recipe book and she says, Looked at her dad. Yeah, she looked at her dad and, and pointed to this and just said, this is a real person. And uh, I kind of laughed and I said, oh, you know Farmer John? And she just looked at me and she said, yes, he is my Farmer John. So she was really serious about the local food movement. Her whole family was really, and, and that they were connected with their local farmer. Of course, we have a lot of good conversations with customers that come into the market and at farmer's market, and they're always rewarding and educational for for both parties, and sometimes they're quite hysterical also. (laughs) And we want to be educational with the regular customers as to what is it like growing up here on a farm, what is it like working on a farm. I recall when we had a corn maze many, many, many years ago, we had a tour group out and one lady, I think, uh, pulled you off to the side and and she, oh, and she was in tears. Just, just, and she said, "What are the farmers going to do?" And this would have been in first of October. And I said, "Well, what do you mean? What are the farmers going to do?" And she said, "Well, the corn. You know, the the corn. What are the farmers going to do about the corn?" 
and I said, well, yeah, it, it, it didn't produce quite as good this year, but it's, it's going to be a fairly good crop. No, no, what are they going to do? And I said, well, yeah, the price isn't very good this year, but I think it'll be okay. And no, what are they going to do? And I said, finally, I asked her, what do you mean? What are the farmers going to do? And she says, well, the corn, it all died. She was thinking that it's like sweet corn where it needs to be fresh and harvested. And green. And green and did not realize that 99% of the corn in Douglas County is intended for dried corn use. The, the plant actually does go through the maturing process. It dies, the ears droop, the kernels dry on the cobs to the point that it needs to be then harvested. The grain won't mold. But her thinking was, it all died. And, uh, it, it, and I think there had been a drought back east that year, and that's what she had seen on the, the news. But we have a lot of education to get out to people uh, because they don't realize some of the things that happen in farming. So there's a lot of challenges, uh, you know, employees, like in all businesses right now, employees are hard to find. And I wish we could pay more. We can't pay as much as as we would like you know on the hot days customers sometimes are far and few between because they want to come out in the spring and the fall when it's nicer you know the competition is is always going to be there you know what is the price and who has the lowest price sometimes sells the most but probably the biggest one is the unpredictable weather that's the one that we fight most of the time Uh, we're starting to see a lot more regulatory hurdles in food safety, which is a good thing, but it also means a lot more paperwork. So I oftentimes ask people who want to do this type of of work, I said, so you want to be self-employed? Absolutely. But I don't think we could do this without each other. I couldn't do it without you. Oh, goodness. No, it's, um, uh, yeah, if something happens to one of us, uh, farms for sale the next day. <laughs> well, and, and I see people doing this by themselves, and I it's just so much easier with the two of us together. But it is one of those things that uh, you've always heard the, the comment, uh, do what you love and you'll never have to work a day in your life. That's kind of how we feel about this. But if we didn't have each other to do it with, it sure would be work. A lot more difficult, yeah. Well, we always have to thank our community and customers who support local farms like ours and who take the time to understand our daily lives. I think uh, they learn a lot. They enjoy getting to know the farms. They feel like they're part of our farm, and we sure appreciate their support. And that's one of the goals that we had when asked early on, what in the world are you doing a podcast for? And we want the customers that we have to get to know us a little bit better than they do already. So thank you again for listening to us on the Stock of the Town podcast. And we encourage you to share your thoughts, questions, and experiences related to local, small, specialty crop farms. We'd love to hear from you. You can also donate to the Stock of the Town and help us to continue to be advertiser-free. Just click on the Support the Show link on wherever you listen to our podcast. And always thank you for supporting the Stock of the Town as we talk about our farm and our community.